my podcast listeners. Welcome to the 27th. Can you believe it, Dylan? 27th installment of the Dom of X show. I, I, I know you have. To, I know Crazy. I have you here. All of that. We, we've been doing the same intro for 26 episodes. I want to spice it up a little bit. But anyways, I hope spice you're doing it, well. Bro. I hope you're I'm doing, doing well. well. I'm doing well. I am so freaking excited to talk about this one, dude. I am so juiced. But there's actually something I want to bring up first. Sure. If I may. Um, this is, you know, this is obviously an X-Men podcast, but I read a Marvel book this week that was just really stood out to me, and I thought I would at least showcase it a little bit. It was the Avengers Mech Assault. I mm. absolutely, or Mech Strike, or what, the it's Mech the, one. Yeah, it's I the one with the robots. It. It's the one with the robots. Yes. <laughs> did you read it? Did you read it? I did not pick it up at the store, but I really, I saw the announcement and I was like, that's definitely something. I'm going to be putting on my trade wait list when it, you know, it comes out, right? Oh, you know, it definitely, it's definitely written for the trade for sure. It's a five issue series. And I, so when I first saw it in previews, I was like, just a cover right there with, with, uh, with them all with their own different mech suits, the Avengers. And right off the bat, I was like, why do the Avengers need mechs? Like that's, they fight people in mechs. Like, why do they need mechs? This is stupid. And then a couple months later, they had another preview of like the actual interiors, just the inks. And I was like, Yo, this art is really good. Okay, I'm gonna pick it up. I'm gonna look at it just for the art, but I bet you the story is gonna be stupid. And then I read it, and no, the story is great. The person that wrote it uh, understands like how uh, Avengers team works, and the banter between them is just as important as the actual story. It was just, it's brilliant and really good. And I hate that I love it because the concept like threw me off. But they actually make it work while they need mechs. So you guys, I highly suggest going and getting that one. It's definitely worth a read. Okay, that is a very, very interesting recommendation from Dylan, but because it's a recommendation from Dylan, I suggest you go follow it, go to your local comic store, or whatever, or wherever you buy your books, and get the first issue, because, you know, we're supporting your local business, and, and all of that, it's so, it is, I'm gonna shelf-recommend it too, even though I haven't personally read it, Dylan has read it, he said it's great, I love his taste, so far, right, uh, he hasn't, he hasn't <laughs> given me one book where I was like, oh, I hate this, so go ahead and check that out, guys. We also have a quick update of X because we just we just made it formal. So the new there is a brand new, <laughs> there is a brand new X book coming out from the Hickman line because the more money that Hick like you know that is under Hickman's umbrella, the more books we can do. And we are now getting X Corp, which was supposed to come out, I believe, last year and or all that, but COVID nineteen happened, the shutdowns happened. And all that. So the the thing is, the creative team, uh, Teeny Howard, writer of Excalibur, uh, Alberto Foce as the artist. I'm not too familiar with his work, unfortunately. Uh, but David Aja is on the covers, and I love David Aja. He did the he did the art for Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, which I was like, this is so cool. Uh, his he's awesome, and it's going to be starring. Warren Worthington and Manet St. Crow, and they're going to be doing capitalist business and show who's superior. So, any, yeah, so that comes out in May, guys. If you're interested in the series, uh, it's going to come out, in, uh, I believe, the second week of May. So, as far as that is concerned, those are your updates of the week uh, for the Dom of X show. If you guys want to send us a message, if you guys want to do anything, you know, all of that related with us, uh, please go email us at domofx.com. Pod, uh, Dom of X podcast at gmail.com. That's at Dom of X podcast at gmail.com. If you guys also want to, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Dom of X studio and Dylan is at Mr. Dylan gray on every single platform. Like I said, guys, so yeah, let's just get into it. Dylan, like let's not even beat around the bush yeah. anymore. I know we, I know we had our cute little time talking about the Avengers, uh, talking about X Corp. Now it's like, <laughs> Oh, let's get down to business. All right. It's what are we here for? What, why, why am I so freaking excited to talk about this book, you might ask? Because it hands down, these 24 issues are my favorite series of X-Men comics to date. I, I love what Hickman's doing. He's doing a big thing. But this right here, this is your solid X-Men story from start to finish. And I love it so much. I... Hey man, let's we're just gonna talk about the astute love, and you know what? Let's even let's even go further than this, and say and talk about 
how I got roped into this situation in the first place, which is sort of similar to the Mark Millar Wolverine fiasco that, that happened a couple episodes ago. So this was back in 2019, early mid 2019, when Dylan and I were still sort of like, yeah, we knew we knew from we knew each other from Wednesday stuff, but we didn't know much of each other outside of that. And our good old friend Marty, we can hopefully see in a couple episodes, maybe you know, was working still at the local comic store, and we would talk about you know X Men and all that. When House of X came out, Marty, I asked Marty. For Marvel recommendations and astonishing X-Men, just like Millar Wolverine, was on the list. And I was like, do I want to pick this? So I didn't pick it up. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, whatever. It, it might be cool. might not be cool. Uh, but Dylan has been knocking it down for me in the past couple of months or so saying, Dom, we need to record and, and, and do a whole entire three, four part on this. And I was like... If it's that good, I did. dude. I said this. I was very loud about this opinion of mine that we needed to cover this, and <laughs> very loud about it. It was not. It was like nonstop. Tom, like, what are we gonna do? Like, this is my favorite. Like, one of my favorite X Men stuff. If not, my, you know, you said it's your actual favorite X Men stuff, right? And then all of a sudden, I was like, after Ecstatics, or during the middle of it, rather, I I told Dylan, you know what? Give me your astonishing X Men books. I want to do a three four parter on it. I want to have fun. I want to read Cyclops. I want to read uh, Colossus. The best Cyclops written. I'll say it right now. The best Cyclops written, hands down. And we're just yeah. And now we are here. We're gonna be talking. Oh yeah, I gotta hear it. I gotta hear it because you you've read it all. So I want to hear right now. Is this the best Cyclops written? You are <laughs> being a filthy as you are. Is this the best? Cyclops content. We're specifically talking about Cyclops here. So let me let me hear it, bro. I gotta hear it. At, you are the filthy, and this is the filthiest of filthy books, as far as I'm concerned. Pre-Jonathan Hickman, I can agree with the assessment that this is the best Cyclops I have read, period. Alright? I'm not I'm just period. I'm just gonna say it alright, alright? This is this definitely does start the trend of Scott going from Xavier's weird boy right his weird son kumbaya his his kumbaya freaking boy scout that's what he was going from that over to a full i am cyclops mutant revolutionary type of character this is the book i'd argue you can even i think you can argue new x-men like the end of that uh where you can see scott summers and say this is what led him to going from under Xavier's shadow to becoming his own character and, and retrospect. And, and that's what I love, too. I, ever people ask me, do you prefer uh, Professor X or Magneto? I always tell them I prefer Cy- – I think Cyclops is better and more righteous than either of them. So that's that's always what and – I, and I'm reading yeah. this book and I'm like it's so resolute in, in my belief that, yeah, Scott's right. Those two aren't. This is why he's right. And that's what I've been, you know, open to it. So when you read, so before we get into all of that, you know, Joss Whedon, John Cassidy, Laura Martin, Chris Eliopoulos on the letters, uh, you know, your creators. Uh, but yeah, it's like, this is, I, I'm I'm literally just astonished, like no pun intended. Like, that's the word for it. That's the word for it. I'm really astonished. And I, have to, yeah. I have to disagree with you though, by the way, because uh, I don't think this book wasn't about anything more than being superheroes they he they even literally say it in the in the beginning so i don't think this was a, a mutants kind of book other than like mutants being hunted you know and being the problem but this was a superhero book the like the classic x-men and that's what really stood out to me and that's why i really like it because it's just like let's, let's we have the bad guys we have the good guys no, no ifs ands or buts about it you know and then shield shields like you know both you know yeah so. shield is weird all government agents I, if i've learned Anything in fiction, not even comics, just fiction. If there's a government agency running around, no matter what type it is, always treat them as suspect. Always treat them as suspect. It's a it's a rule that uh, mm-hmm. just has stood in for the for the longest test of time. You know, like when you think of Shield, yep. you think of Nick Fury. It's like okay, he's running off his mouth, but is he this this actual decent person? Who wants to stand up and make sure everything's protected, or does he have something underneath 
that thick skin of his. Uh, it's it's always that type of stuff with Shield. Yeah, but you know what? At the end of the day, I always trust in Fury, no matter what. Fury Amen. is all. Fury's the only one you can trust straight up. Like nobody else. Uh, Angela Brand, no. Uh, when you see Fury, you see that eye patch. You just know that it's just you. Okay, you could trust this guy. This is gonna be good stuff. And speaking of good stuff, why don't we go see what's going on over at the Grand Geek Gathering this week, Dominic? We should. I think they got a lot of things in store. We'll tell you more about it right during these messages. We'll be right back, guys. To my podcast listeners, The Grand Geekery is the best show for all news on pop culture, as well as a diversified variety of segments, conventions, and everything nerdy. Hosted by our very own Tyler McPhail and with Lamar Harris, the show runs twice a month and is available on all platforms. Please go ahead and check it out at The Grand Geek Gathering or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome back to the Domovec Show, where, of course, myself and Dylan are your lovely co-hosts. We're here to talk about X-Men. We're here to talk about Astonishing X-Men, issues number one through six. The Gifted Arc by, of course, John uh, John Cassidy, Joss Whedon, Laura Martin, the whole shebang. You know, I want to start off with this because I can see Duggan pulling stuff from this book and applying it to Marauders. I think it's sort of important to see what then Kitty Pride is is doing in in this book i think that i think i think she's one of the more important centralized characters in terms of being an x-man and just her role in this first arc wouldn't you say dylan i mean i i think her role in the entire 24 issue run is super important but yeah i think she was the central narrator or first person view that we really got of this uh, first six issues, you know, she's coming back to the school uh, after being God knows where. This is post-Genosha, if I'm correct, right? Pre- you are indeed pre- correct. Pre- Genosha did happen okay. approximately like post five, six years Pre-House of M, post-House of M, where is this? I think this is, so House of M happened in 2005, 2005. This book came out in, I believe, 2004. So there's that. Uh, so this you is need... pre that. Okay, you are correct. Okay, so okay, perfect. So yeah, so Genosha. There was the big, you know, Sentinel attack that killed millions of or hundreds of thousands of mutants. I don't know. There was just so many that got. It was it was a genocide. It was bad. It was very bad. And so they're kind of going off of that and trying to rebuild the school and all that stuff. Xavier's around, but he's like up to no good or something like what why why is he this is that was something that i maybe i forgot or don't didn't know before either why were they really hating on xavier it seemed like even beast had something bad to say about him i think that this i believe man because you don't see xavier for the first six that's what that's what i was actually asking it's like what the heck happened with Professor X to make him not... Because you see Cyclops, you see Wolverine, uh, you see legit, like, really, like, everyone else, right? Emma Frost is there, Beast is there. Okay, what the heck happened with uh, with Xavier and all that? I found out, and I, and this was looking on his weird wiki page, that... After, you know, because the school went public not too long ago, right? That, that, that happened in Morrison, New X-Men. Xavier is still building stuff on Genosha. Like, at the end of the book, one of the Morrison characters, he essentially, you know, he revealed himself as a character I won't name because I don't want to spoil it. Um... And Xavier is over at Genosha helping rebuild stuff. So that's why you don't see him there. That's why you don't see him in the first six issues of the books. Because he's not actually physically there with the X-Men. Yeah. But they're they're at the school. They've rebuilt the school in the same image. And they're trying to just move forward and, and find the next generation of X-Men, essentially. 
Exactly. They've gone back to basics. We just need one team. We don't need a nation. We just need to focus on a small group of mutants and do what we can to save the world. This is what I love about this book so much. This is what I love about the first six issues so much. And like you said, it's a, it's a near standard formulaic superhero book, right? It's not trying to... I guess, you, you, like again, like it's not something like Jonathan Hickman's writing where he's changing the, co- the complete status quo, altering the state of mutants forever. This is a book dedicated, I think, on giving even newer readers, like this is giving them a picture of how the X-Men operate, what they do in their meantime, uh, how they work as a team, how the co-op stuff work, how relationships work. This is a book, I think, dedicated for that, but it hits on all of the right notes to the point where it's so well done, even though you could argue it is a sort of back-to-basics run. This is perfect for a new... Re- like, if you are a new reader and you are trying to get into the X-Men, but you don't want to read the Claremont stuff, this astonishing X-Men book is something I would 100% recommend to a brand new guy who wants to get into the X-Lore. Definitely. No, hands down, just, it's a straight on jump, straight up jumping on point. There is a few things in there that uh, were a little confusing for me, even a well-read X-Men person, but it's been so long since I've dove deep into that kind of stuff. But for the most part, you could still enjoy the story without knowing some of the references. Uh, Specifically, um, what happened with Colossus in this? So this is one thing I was actually questioning because I, I personally, and this is this is just me. I love I love Piotr, Peter, whatever you, whatever you want to call him. I love Piotr Rasputin. He's awesome. Uh, he's fun. He's the, he's like that Russian dude who like I don't even want, I know what you want to call it. He's just he's just a cool Russian dude. Like I I remember watching him when I wa- like during those X Men animated series episodes. And there was one scene, right? I kid you not. There was one scene where he goes to America, and Wolverine and and Jubilee are trying to stop him, and. Piotr's like, I don't get Americans. They're always on everybody's butt. Why are they trying to? Do-? And I thought I was like, I was dying from it. But now I'm over here saying like, wait, Colossus <laughs> was dead. Like, he he's why is he dead? And can we talk about this for a second? Because it is the best. I think some of the best. No, this is the best Colossus content. I think you'll ever get in a comic book. I agree and. Not even, like, just, he's barely in it, these first six issues. But yeah, but moving forward, like, this ends up being, like, you think it's, without giving spoilers away, because we still got three, two more podcasts to say, talk about this, but this, you think, is going to be a Cyclops and Emma story, but the real story is what Kitty and Colossus do in it. They are the stars of these 24 issues, hands freaking down. I'm glad you admitted it. I'm really glad you admitted it. Um, <laughs> one thing I love about this this relationship, and we see this in, in these notes, and I love how uh, the subtlety and the and just the undertone of it. When Kitty goes back and Colossus is in, she, she like she, it's freaking red. It's all it's all weird and over the place you go and see like she's she's walking in she's using her powers which are always awesome to see right like i always enjoy reading kitty when when she's phasing in and out it's so much fun so much awesome stuff and as the x-men are getting attacked by uh you know ord and and this weird group of people she's going in and uh, and the people see her she's opening this weird vault gate and then, like, oh, no, we see her far, 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 bang, bang, bang. And all of a sudden, you get this big, huge panel of Colossus standing behind Kitty. And Kitty just looks at Colossus. And you think, like, Coloss- is Colossus going to attack her? He's going to be frightened? No. he go- like Kitty, like, he phases her out, and Colossus stops the soldiers from killing And it's, like... It's great, beautiful, wordless storytelling. It's a credit to Cassidy, Laura Martin, just to just emphasize that scene. It is so beautiful. It is so strikingly well done. I was like, that is really good stuff. Definitely, definitely. Um, and just the way that it was drawn, too, and the reveal and all that stuff was just really well done. Uh, obviously, it didn't do anything for me emotionally, 
but if I was reading it back in the day, knowing that like Colossus had been dead and like saved the day and died, whatever, yada, 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 that would have been like a, whoa, really crazy thing. But I gotta love, once again, Joss Whedon's take on superhero-dom and just the conversation that she has with Colossus. Because first she's like, okay, like, are you a clone? You know, I could deal with that. Are you, you know, like... Are you like, you know, resurrected zombie, you know, something like that, whatever. But if you end up being like a shapeshifter or illusionist, I swear to God, I will kill you and I will kill you dead. And it's like, and like, that that's just like, that's their mentality because that's the world that they live in. They have to deal with this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And I thought that was a really great interchange with them and shows like what superhero writing is about. You know what I mean? Oh man, I absolutely agree. This is superheroing at its, its hardcore. It's like... It's like watching Avengers. Like this is this is this exact same feeling when I watch the first Avengers film. And again, it's not like it's trying to be this real death in death like wow, like strike is no, it's it's your standard fun formulaic action set piece. That's what I had re, you know watching that movie and seeing Loki and all of those guys battling it out with Tony and Steve it's the same gut feeling I have when we get introduced with Ord, uh, Shield, and all those people, and the actual X Men in this time, right? Like we are again, Wolverine, Cyclops, and all of that. So I understand, and I completely agree with what you're saying in terms of that that nostalgic sense of, yeah, let's just do a superhero book. This let's not try to tag it down with any other anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone hates mutants, and that's where we got to leave. We don't need to go deep into, like, a whole hate party thing. We don't need to do anything with the government. We just need to focus. Wait, no, I take that back, because we get introduced to um, one of the coolest organizations that's actually talked about today. Isn't that right, Dom? Frickin' S.W.O.R.D. gets their first appearance. You are absolutely 100% one-tastically correct, and... And I actually don't know if you've been watching. I'm sorry, one tastically. Wait, one one tastically. What does that mean? I need. One t- I don't, I've never heard that word before. I've never heard of that word either. I think it just slipped out of slipped out of my tongue. It's like that just get coined. That just yeah. got coined right now. One tastically. One, wow. freaking tastically. I, uh, I. Now we have to say it at least one time per episode. You do realize that, right? Write it down. Okay. Write it down. We can't forget. I that. got one tastically. One tastically. Sorry, guys. This is important. This is canon now. It is like we have filthy. Say it once per episode. Yeah, we got (laughs) we got filthy coin. We got bloody coined. We got uh, cord coined. Now we have. Gosh darn it! Now we have one tastically. One tastically. I will figure out the true, actual, in-depth meaning of that word. But until then, it's it's down to my next time and find out if. (laughs) Tune in next time. We will. That's how we'll start the podcast, is dissecting what one-tastically means, guys. <laughs> that is exactly what we are going uh, to be doing literally in the next couple. But yes, Sword, which is one of your faves, right? I know you love your Abigail brand. I know we're, when the Ewing book comes out, Volume 3, all the way in August. I can't wait to uh, dig deep into that book as well. So juiced. Woo! So juiced. Oh, man. It is... For my, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, Sword is essentially a space station. It's a, it's a, it's like sort of a break off from Shield, or at least in this part. I know with with the stuff that's going on now, it's sort of not that. It's sort of a weird no, break it's, off. It's, it's its own. It's its own organization completely. It's it's Space Shield. That's that's what it is. It's Space it only Shield. Deals with extra ter- it only deals with extraterrestrial th- threats, and only that. So it's like if you have, say, Galactus, Shield, Sword, I should say, would know about it. If so, or something of that sort, or of that extent. Sword's sole purpose, its actual creation, was to work with other planets in the universe to monitor the migration of Galactus. That's their main thing. They work with planets from around the galaxy, around the universe, to like keep everyone informed like where is galactus where how's he moving all that kind of stuff that's their main purpose so that's why when i saw them at the end of the captain marvel movie or no in the spider-man movie i knew i was like oh my god shit's about to pop off guys right and it's like you're 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 
your universe is getting bigger. And that's what I actually appreciate about this book and getting our introduction to Abigail Brand and to all the other Space HQ stuff, right? With Nick Fury, it's like, oh, wow, like, what's actually going on there? And when your universe is bigger, when it's more cohesive and, and coerced in dealing with all of these different types, your comic books get better because you get that sense of, Everything matters. It's not just the X-Men doing off their own little bits in one part of the universe. This is the same thing I loved in Millar Wolverine. Whedon's doing it here where he's taking all of these different parts of the Marvel Universe, adding it to the X-Mythos so they don't feel like they're just alone. They're just in their own separate corner of the bubble without any sort of retroactiveness from different parts of the arm. No, it's like they're part of a bigger world. And that's what I love about the sword introduction. That's why I like... The fact that we have, you know, Brand and all these new guys, it's like, that That to me is a great part. When you can make your world bigger. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I love the acronym. You can't go wrong with acronyms. Um, I think there was a, like, an image title that had a, uh, like, government organization that was literally called Acronym. <laughs> acronym? And it was like an acronym. It was an acronym for acronym, yeah. I, I really what it was, though. I want to read that now. What the heck? Is it by Hickman? It wouldn't be like out of my... No. 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 Dang it. <laughs> well, I'll, look it. I'll look it up later. Or you guys can add us on all social medias. Um, I know if Gil knows, he'll he'll definitely add us. <laughs> no, Gil loves us. We love you, Gil. We, we appreciate... You know what? Can we also give uh, a shout out to Gil for the last episode Seriously. and helping, helping us uh, get this thing? So, Gil, our friend, we asked about... How do you read dupe? Because you technically, That's this right. guy has like the weirdest alphabet. You can't read it. I'm like, how do you translate it? Apparently, there's a cipher similar to the one where we have like the Krakoan language. And in this, and in this like same sort of codex, Nate Piekos of Blambot made a literal character uh, dupe, uh, dupe to, dupe from English, dupe to English. Is that, is that what it's called? Dupe to English? Dupe to English translator. So thank you. English to dupe, dupe to English, yeah, whatever you want to do. English, so dupe English, Ingladupe. I don't, I, I, I'm just Ingladupe. Yes, that's the Ingladupe. Ingladupe. So thank you, Doug. Doug. Oh my gosh, I'm getting everyone mixed up now. No. Wow. I thought, I thought wow. of cipher. I thought of we're cipher. Having, we're, we're making a time to say, you know, this is why he adds us, bro. We're constantly getting things wrong. All right. And he's going to at you. you. You realize that. There's just nonstop adding going on today. I was adding Gil. in my stream earlier. I'm, we're, we're, Gil's going to be adding Dominic. Like He's literally going to go on all social media platforms. Twitter, Instagram, Discord. He's going to attack Dom. And you know what? You deserve Doug. I mean, come on. I was thinking of come Cypher. On. I was talking about Cypher and that just slipped out of my mind. And it was like, why even bother? You know what? It's whatever. Wow. Um, but anyway, audacity. Gil, Gil, I love you. Don't don't just completely ignore the fact that I accidentally called you Doug. Okay, I was thinking of Cipher when you were talking. But anyways, back to the back to the point because we got a little bit on a weird sidetrack again. Like just just sword in general, it makes you it makes your universe feel bigger. It makes everyone else feel bigger. I love Bran. She, she, she sounds like a badass. She already, like, the freaking green... Can we talk about her for a second? Like, you got the green hair. Yeah. You got the uniform. All right? Mm -hmm. And you got the sunglasses. Sunglasses. Oh, the Holy sunglasses? Why can't I meet her up, man? She looks so slick in that literal feed. Yeah. It is... I Yeah, it's, it's, it's like... I, but I love what Wolverine says to her when he meets her. He's like, all right, Hydra hair. I died. I literally laughed out loud. I was like, ha! <laughs> literally. <laughs> he did die. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not yeah. wrong, is he? But anyway, <laughs> I'm... Yeah, but I, I liked I liked that. I liked... Um, the, but... I And I can't believe us being at, at wit's end constantly and battling over filthy and bloody content, right? And we have mm -hmm. probably the best bloody filthy content right in the first couple pages of this story yeah i love um, so i hate and love it at the same i really do love and hate it at the same time so like psych is sleeping like he's sound peacefully and gosh, i wonder why it. wonder why he slept so peacefully why why do you think he was sleeping so peacefully uh dominic there because he got he obviously got mind raped the previous night he was like emma he was like you know what 
I'm so tired. And Emma just touched his head. Wow. And he just went out to the, yeah, that's, that's canon now. Can't even argue with that, Dylan. Wow. Try me. That is, it's what, that did, that's not canon because it didn't happen. So how can it be canon if it didn't happen? Because I willed it into existence. It's now, you have, that's you, how. You head canoned. You, let, let me, let, if you guys don't know what a head canon is, that's all just a fan idea of what it should be. Not even like real stuff that happened. So no, no, sir. I, I denounce your head canon. Oh, I denounced your cannon for head cannon. All right, you, you know what? Cannon, okay, you know what isn't denounced. You know what did get denounced though. Wolverine trying to pounce on Cyclops after he asked him which stage of grief he was in. Oh, <laughs> Cyclops just blasts him out of his room, and it's too. And I was like, yes, the two top school headmasters are duking it out among the best, and Psych got the first hit. That's cannon. That to that sir is actual head cannon or not head? Can- okay, no. okay. Do you think no? That's actual cannon. You're right. He did get the first hit. You are correct, sir. I will not deny you that, Dominic. You can have that one. But however, was Wolverine trying to attack them? Because that's motherfucking Wolverine. Okay, and if he wanted to uh, stick his claws into uh, uh, Scott, you know what I'm saying? To Mr. Cyclops, there it would have happened. No, he was there to talk shit. That's what he was doing. Maybe see see some Emma boobs. I don't know his life, okay? But you they were they were probably plopped out. They were plopped out probably. Why wouldn't they be? You know he rock you know Cyclops is rocking that bod, alright? He is, yeah. He does got a he does have a very, very strong male body. Alright, I will I he's a six three hunk of a man. He's got these big, big biceps and it's like yeah, what what woman wouldn't be into that? He's so handsome and Okay, yeah, now now I've gone on this weird tangent where I'm talking about how hot Scott Summers is. Kill my, yeah, like, and he's my, not, what? you know, he's not that tall, though. You know he wears lifts, right? So. You you really are going to strike a nerve with me, like, just like Wolverine did. Just like Cannon. Wolverine did, Cannon. Dylan. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Anyways. Would you okay? So we we've talked about we've talked about our Colossus and and our Kitty Pride. We talked about our bloody and filthy stuff. We talked about our Emma there's, stuff. There's one thing I um, want to get back to with Colossus and Kitty. Let me just say this, okay? This is this is the last point I'm going to make on them before we before we move over to the rest and how those weird relationships work. I really love that conversation he had, uh, you know, of them just two just talking and. He's like, well, you know, am I dead? Am I finally dead? Am I like, what? Why am I here? And all that. Um, and, and Colossus is like, you know, how long has it been that long? Uh, you look different. Like you look older, you look, and it's all like, are you, like, and, and is Kitty's even asking herself, did you shapeshift? Like, are you mystique? Like, is, is what's, what's happening here? Are you, are you actually Piotr Rasputin? And she just, he said that he died all the way back in mother Russia and Mother Russian, it's not Mother Russia to her, but you get what I mean. And he scattered, or she scattered those ashes, right? She scattered those ashes herself. And Pyotr is looking down, he's like, you did, Katya. Thank you. And, and it's all, it's all, it, it all got me in my feelings. And it was just a really beautiful, like, just moment between those two and reconciling. Because I, I, that's why I like them. As a, as a, they're fun. Um, it's also touching. That part was really touching and just well written, all thought out. Definitely, it was it was a really good moment. You know, say what you want about the guy, but he he understands characters, he understands relationships, he understands dialogue. That's why I think uh, comics is a good medium for him. If I'm just being honest, uh, then he's in complete control of everything. Woo! Did I just say that? Was that shade? That was shade. That was a little shade. That was, Sorry. That was Sorry. shade. A little, little shade. A little just shade a little. There, but, just a little. But no, it's not shady. All the amazing content creators over at the Grand Geek Gathering. I wonder what they're up to this week. Huh? That's a great question, Dylan. We have to talk about it just for a couple of seconds. But I promise you, we'll get back to talking about more in this gifted arc right after these messages. In a world where all the largest pop figures in life are superheroes with capes, how about all the creators and characters who don't feel the spotlight as large as the others? What if I told you 
that there was an awesome podcast dedicated to the best creator-owned comics out there. Guys, Indie Comics is a show specified for all your indie comics needs. Self-publishers, branched-off creators, and small company powerhouses all come into play with them. Please go check out their show on the Grand Geek Gathering and all podcast platforms. That is, again, Indie Comics. Guys, we are back. We are back here talking about Astonishing X-Men and pretty much whatever goes on to our mind in these first six issues that that Whedon, Cassidy, and Martin have all created, you know, again, on, on these pages. It's just so great, so good. We need, man, there is a, there is still a lot more stuff to talk about because we even haven't gotten to the meat of it. We've been talking about, like, the overall, like, theme of the book and some of the relationships with between characters and others, like you know, Colossus and Kitty. You've got Wolverine and Scott. Uh, but can we get into the meat of what they're actually doing here? Because I think it's important. I think it's an interesting thing when you read X-Men stories and go back in the day to see how mutants were being treated at the time. What are the threats they're facing? Are they otherworldly? Are they from actual humans who still believe the mutant gene to be a strain? Is it Magneto again? Is it Apocalypse trying to destroy the timeline? We have, I think, two sort of interesting villains, if you want to call them villains, but that tie in together and, and thread and plot line uh, between all of this. All right, let, and we need to talk about, we're going to talk about the Doctor, and then we're going to be talking about Ord of the Breaker, Breakworld, whatever. Um, uh, we're going to be- Yeah, Breakworld, not a great name, but I feel like it's, there's, there's some, like some old, like, 60s or 70s like thing that it comes from i don't know not a, the break world the the break world i mean come on that sounds like a ps1 level you know it's like you go into that world and everything breaks it's like you could have i think whedon could have definitely made a more decent name with from his dimension because it just seems like that one's just so plain it's like make it cooler Make it more interesting, like break, break, like that for break. For all I know, Break World could be a dance studio, like thirty minutes away from my house. All right, <laughs> okay, like that's what it could be. <laughs> I love that. It probably is. It probably is. But I think it's interesting to have this sort of villain as your first guy to have, and we'll we'll see, you know, upcoming what he's up to. Uh, just just as your just as your standard like you know bad guy working with with peeps and and being all sussery like you look at him he literally looks like you know what he looks like he looks like toad except if he got like some he except if he got the captain america vir- uh the whatever it's called the thing that captain america got serum? Like all those jo- super, yeah right the serum that, super that, that dr- soldier yeah. serum right there like the super the superhero soldier serum he literally looks Super? like Toad. So, no, we're, no, we need to stop. You need to say this correctly. This is important if you want to be a Marvel fan. Okay. Super Soldier Serum. Okay. Say it with me. Super, Super soldier. soldier Serum. Boom. Nailed it. All right. Um, now, as you were saying. Julius, I have failed you. He's my Captain American bud who loves Steve Rogers. So forgive me for, for that, sir. But my point being... I think Ord is a definitely like if you want to start off your book, and I'm actually glad about two things. One, it's not Magneto who's the villain. Thank God. Uh, it wouldn't even make right. sense anyways, right? Because Xavier isn't here, or Mister but... Sinister, or Apocalypse. That because it's always those three. It's always right. those three. Or it's, it's always alien. there. It is. It's always those guys. Like what am I saying? It always an, comes down. Or to an that. alien race. Or an alien race. It's one of the three or the alien the, race every the, the, time. What is it this the, time? Did the brood invade again, Dylan? Is that what happened? <laughs> oh my gosh. The brood witch. But regardless, he even said the X-Men don't disappoint. And I I like him. He's a, he's a decent villain to start off. And from a mindset of character versus character, or team versus character anyways, it makes sense that he's the actual guy for the in the spotlight and talking with the doctor, right? The, the main thing about gifted is 
okay, if you are gifted, if you have all these mutant abilities, what do you want to do with them? And I think we get to see an interesting hedge of that between uh, the Doctor and the actual mutant Doctor, Mr. Hank McCoy, a.k.a. Beast, um, who's sort of like, these guys are struggling. Do I really want these mutant powers? Do I want to have all of this amazing stuff? Do I want to be different? Or do I want to get rid of that? Do I want to get it cured? Do I not want to have that weird ability, you know, hanging around in my life if I could? And so you look at all of this amazing stuff. You look at Beast, and this is definitely an interesting fixture because uh, Beast is definitely a weird anomaly in terms of the like, you know, the smartest dumb guy in the room. And then you know, that's, I've, that's how I always, that's how I've always seen Beast. And so in the same. You have Hank McCoy, you have the Doctor, and you're seeing... I, I literally just spit into my book, and the spit just rubbed off. But anyways, but, but my point, guys, is that Beast, uh, and, and, and in the question of, again, the mutant metaphor, what does it mean to be a mutant? What does it mean to have this thing in your life that makes you different, or makes you, you know, completely separate you know, from other people, and how do you deal with it? And I love the theme... And and how it's used uh, throughout this whole entire arc, I think it's I think it's great. Totally, totally, uh, and it's it's good. Just it's good to toe that line with him because he's one of the mutants that does not look normal. You know what I'm saying? Like even Colossus can put away his medal. You know what I'm saying? Um, but he he doesn't he doesn't get to. Uh, he's always beast, always. You know, and so it's it's a conversation he wants to have. It's a conversation he needs to have. You know, but. It's important at the end of the day to really just be true to yourself and like whatever you are, whatever you want to be, it's important to just know what makes you comfortable and able to live life. And I think Wolverine said it the best. He's like, I understand that you want to change. I totally get that. But you're a symbol. You're an X-Men. And like that's basically the sending a message to every mutant in the world what what it's like, you know, and what we kind of goes against what we've been preaching. And he's right. He's a hundred percent right because Beast is like Beast is the 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 poster child for for weird looking mutants uh, and being able to get past that and be successful with multiple PhDs and and working on on stuff with people like Hank Pym and and Iron Man and Reed and, Richards you know, Reed Richards I mean the list goes on and on. You know, this is a very well-established... And at one point, wasn't he a senator? Or was going for senator? Something. I, I forget. Yeah, I... Has he? Man, like, I th when I think of Hank McCoy, it's like... You look at him. I don't, I don't ever think he tried to run for... Now, he's run into senators. We know that for sure. But I don't think he's ever actually... Ever actually been one. But... The thing with Beast, and again, like you, you said it best, he is the perfect example of when a character just has this one power or one thing that gets onto their life and they can't run it away. It's the same thing as what Nightcrawler has, right? Either we both got blue skin, they both literally look like non-human people. And as a, as a human or as a, anyone else, is that the type of person that you would want to see in your system? So when I get to, I get when beast is questioning himself on whether he actually want this mutant cure. And we see some of those kids get cured from those mutant cures with the doctor, with the, uh, mutant, uh, you know, getting their, their powers and, and that X gene taken away. I'm not really surprised that when beast asks her, it's, it's not surprising. You're not like, why is beast doing this? Doesn't he love saving people or being an X man? No, I completely get why, if you want to be normal, and if you're given that opportunity, I think that that conversation that he and Wolver and all these other guys have, it's definitely an interesting part in where you're asking yourself, is this right, you know, in terms of morality for the character and what means to be an X? But I just love, again, like what you said with Wolverine and, and him essentially tell you, like, no, we're X-Men. We're here to save people. Like, that's our job. That's what we're here to do. Um, it's, it's really powerful stuff, and I'm really glad that it doesn't get glossed over in this X-Men story. No, and I, you know, you you see the thing right off the bat, like, oh, a cure, here we go, here we go, here we go, you know, but he does it so well, and he explains it so well, and uses it so well in the story of why 
this random dude from Breakworld, bad name by the way, it was trying yes. to make a cure for mutants. <laughs> they want a cure for mutants, and they say, and I quote, "The uh, mutant is going to de- destroy and kill all of Breakworld. We have to stop them all." I com- yep, it's every- everything there. I I completely agree. Can we also well, talk about? I mean, it's... no, yeah, I, mean, I don't. You- there's nothing to agree with. That's what happened. Like, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? What am of I that? saying? As, as I am story- drunk. I am drunk, Dylan. Not actually drunk because I can't drink, but I am. I am. I am not. I am me today. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I actually don't know if that's a good thing or not. Is that a good thing, Dylan? No, we should just cut this whole part about you being drunk out and move on. But we yes. should. Okay. Okay. So let me, let me let me um, let me let me start that again. And yeah, Dale, you, you get to see like all this stuff happen and it's again it's just a true it's just great storytelling from Joss Whedon and and able to take this reason like this very much used throughout mutant sort of enemy. It's like, oh no, like you're getting rid of the action. It's like, ah, oh, this again. But I was really engaged with just how he was able to uh Put it on the page. Uh, tell it with using uh, using these characters, and just figure. Like again, like it comes down. Not only does it come down to do you want to be different or not. It all, it always comes. I think it always comes down to do you want to be a hero or not. Do you want to at the end of the day do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And I think that's the overall or part of the tone uh, or the message in this book. It's the fact that no matter who the heck we are, what type of powers we have, if we if we have these great world benders or something even minute is just like looking different i think that's the end message for this whole entire thing it's like is that doing the right thing at the end of the day is the most important thing to do as a superhero and i'm really glad that message got along definitely well you know and it couldn't even though this was a very much superhero book you still especially with modern x-men you have to have the mutant conversation. You have to have the fact that there are full-on groups of people that want mutants eradicated. And in this case, an entire alien race. And I thought it played so well with just how he unraveled the whole thing. Like, so was S.W.O.R.D. was behind it because they're like, okay, if we get rid of mutants, they won't destroy all of the Earth. So instead of you just straight up murdering these people, why don't we try to cure them and we can use your science to do it. And that's why they're there in the first place. And it's very well done like that. And then they obviously end up like stopping him and realizing, oh no, this guy's a bad guy. So let's just go ahead and put him in jail. You know, you go into jail now. But then we find out, is he the biggest bad guy that the X-Men are facing? And I know Dominic got a kick out of those last few pages of the first six issues there yeah this uh, is this is this is what continues to make me weary of emma frost as a character just in general it isn't even just like anything it's the shadiness okay so you said that this would be prime prime emma frost content and i get to see how she grows as i guess as a character and goes from hellfire club white queen to x-man okay i'm still in these first couple of issues, I'm still not seeing it so far. So, it, like, literally her in this book. Okay, I, I forgive me for all the slander I'm just going to put out, but it's, it still happened. She's she's digging at Scott. Okay, she's digging at Scott because he asked her, are you reading my mind? Wow, yeah, I'm, you're never going to see me naked Control- again. Controlling, uh, no. are you controlling my thoughts, are you- is what he said. And Emma's That's just what he like, said. It was not I reading. Know. He's de- she's definitely reading his mind. It's canon that whatever's going on inside of his mind is really turns on hot psychic chicks. That's canon. All right. That's why he's always with a psychic chick. That's true. That's true. Psychics can't get enough of Cyclops for both the best and the worst reasons. I find her relationship with Kitty Pride the most interesting, and I love all of the digs. Miss Pride gives emma <laughs> so there's one point Roast where her. she's roasting her <laughs> all right she's like you teach she's like and emma's just like you know i teach ethics here at the school and and kitty's just like you teach ethics i i don't know if that should be a good thing and i'm like i'm for standing here like girl you know what's going on you know what's up and and 
He's freaking over here just saying, yeah, you're, I don't know if you're the right person to talk about. And like, if it was Jean who was still, if who was still alive and on this team and she was teaching ethics, I know that Kitty would 100% be behind her because Jean is a Girl Scout. Yeah. She's, she's all of that. All right. But Emma, she's, she's, again, she's known as the, a dubious face who puts her parts into, you know, other people's things and whatnot. And she's double twisted. She can, she can, you know, help the best guy, help the worst guy at the same time. And so I get all of the concern and the under <laughs> and all of that shade thrown at her from Kitty when she is, she's like, yeah, why are you teaching here at the school? Why do you, why are you doing all this stuff? You shouldn't be here in the first place. And I completely agree with her. And that's the Kitty pride I know. And it's, it's like, it's so awesome. Okay. Like I'm not even going to lie just, that those, those parts were so good. Here's something that got brought up too. Here's something that I brought, got brought up too that I noticed. Uh, apparently, the first mission that Kitty has with them, you meet Emma Frost as well. And that was a really interesting part because she's like, I know evil because when I met you, you were freaking the first bad guy we faced against. <laughs> hey, hey, like you get brought in and it's just like, oh, this Hellfire Club chick is doing shady stuff. Like, yeah, of course she's going to be suspect. I, oh my gosh, this is the best part. Like the first issue... Emma's just like, hey, children, this is Kitty Pride, and she apparently needs to have a grand entrance because she needs to be pompous like that. When she can't, well, number one, she can't talk herself because Emma always tries to get in with those grand entrances. I think that's part of her character. All right. But I love this part, too, where Kitty's just like, yeah, I remember to put on clothes. Like, you look at Emma's attire. I will 100% say this. She is not the most modest person in superhero comics that I know. And I know a lot of people who like her just, just for the end. It's like, that freaking good dig. Holy crap. I could not agree more with with Kitty and, and her. <laughs> uh, that, just that dig. That was that was really well done. I loved it. No, it was awesome. It was uh... Though every time she roasts her, it was it was always on point and well deserved. All right, I'm not gonna sit here and say that I don't think Emma deserves it, especially this early on. She does have redeeming arcs through this whole thing, so I'm so I'm sorry. And she's done a lot. Thank you for the Xavier School and keeping it all in the same vision that the original vision of of Xavier. You can't you can't hate on that. I can I can still hate on all the the, the the shady stuff that she does regardless, keeping all that secrets. But that's another com- big conversation for another time. All right, like I think that that we could just delve into. I feel like that could just be a podcast, like us <laughs> trying to <laughs> trying to oh, defend her. That's, that's gonna be <laughs> the next seven, six issues are definitely that conversation is definitely gonna happen. Trust me, there's a lot of Emma stuff there. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be astonishing astonishing <laughs> it's gonna be astonishing that's what it's gonna be there are also a couple things that i i love about this for first arc before again like and we we do this now guys we're gonna be talking or in my specific uh instagram page twitter page whatever it may be we're gonna be talking a week early just before stuff drops so you guys can also get caught up on with this too and so yeah again we'll be covering astonishing and all that go follow and check the page so Armor first shows up in these first couple issues. I know. I know. Oh my god! Love- the armor right, entrance. Need- oh my god! We forgot about the armor entrance. The gr- I- oh my god! Yes. Oh, that brought back so many feelings. Okay. Yes. Do you Homeboy, remember feelings, uh, Dylan? Ord. I remember. Oh, bro, I remember them. Oh my god! No, so excited because I was like, "Is she armor?" I couldn't remember. I was like, "No, maybe armor comes in, in like in a few more issues." And then they're talking, and then he says her name, and I'm like, oh, no way. And then Breakworld dude comes in, and she just straight wails on him. Just straight turns into armor and just punches him. And I was like, yes, she did it. And it was like such an awesome early armor moment. And I was just like, oh, my. I remembered when I was first read that. I was like, that's a cool power. I like that power. And then I remembered, oh, my God, this is the first This is the first appearance of freaking armor one of the best x-men of all time definitely one of my favorite hands down and here we are right here we are here we absolutely effing are where like ord is just like you know what i'll send you 
I'll I'll leave an I'll, I'll leave a message to the X Men for you guys because he found that they were mutants and it's like are they gonna die? <laughs> he literally pulls out the the syringe and he's just he's just Orta's just ready to break. He's like yeah let's do this. Armor then squints her eyes. He's like wing get out and just Dex Ord like Dexum with. Her big freaking armor punch, like with a freaking freaking with a freaking big armor punch, gets him, and it's like that is just such a great intro to who she's going to be as as a character, and having all of that weird armor around too, and, and that pickish aura, it gives me all of these feelings when like I'm I'm reading Brissendia Mutants or that one shot of uh, the children or the you know the Laura Cinch and Darwin getting into the vault, so. Right. Really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. Definitely. Oh, such, such, so excited because she gets so much cool stuff that she gets to do. And not to mention the, ne- the next set of characters that gets introduced. So many amazing things get introduced in these 24 issues. Can't wait. I cannot wait to talk about them, Dom. I can't wait to talk about them either. You know, before we end, though, I, I really wanted to talk about this because I... Again, we talk about Colossus coming back from the dead. I think he just has one of the flat-out best moments in in the book, where you know him and him and Kitty are out, and and uh, Wolverine and all the X Men they're down. Cyclops is down. Emma's down. And <laughs> Wolverine, God dang it, freaking gosh dang it, Joss! This one part where uh, Wolverine and again like they're all down. He looks back. Ord looks back. And he's he well he doesn't look back he's looking straight at them he's like you know is it time we finish this is it just time to end this fight I'm you're like I I have Cyclops Wolverine and Emma Frost in my hands I'm gonna win and Wolverine is like but like he's 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 got like his eyes saucered he is he is just in shock it's like the first it's like it's like one of those revelations where it's like what he's and and he's just he just says. Okay, yeah. How about we don't do that? And he thought, he thought Lockheed, which we haven't talked about, but I still want to talk about. He thought Lockheed was behind him. <laughs> Ord gets in for a punch when Colossus ransacks. Colossus freaking ransacks and and beats the heck out of Ord, and it is the best thing as. As in, like, emotionally ever. It's like, triumphant return, he's back from the dead, he's back in action. Good Colossus stuff. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, we got, we have three podcasts to talk, so that's why, like, I didn't want to bring up Lockheed, because there's a lot of stuff there that we could talk about, that amazing space dragon. Amazing. <laughs> but, like, really, like. Like we can again, like we had this, I think, during the Marauders episode where we talked about how great Duggan uh, Duggan's Lockheed was. I hope to talk about in the near future, in the next couple of episodes, where we're going to be talking about how awesome Whedon made Lockheed and made and made this animal into a great character. And that's that's something for you guys later. Obviously, uh, we, myself, and Mister Dylan Gray, we want to wish you guys all. Wherever you are, we hope you're staying safe. We hope we hope you're doing well. Uh, if you haven't, guys, haven't yet, go over <laughs> and check the Grand Geek Gathering, like we've been telling you for the past. I I, I, I literally everything. Twenty seven their... episodes. Twenty seven episodes, my friend. Twenty seven episodes of the Grand Geek Gathering. They're awesome. They have all the they have all the stuffs. They have everything like you could ever want as far as nerd content is concerned. Go check them out if you haven't yet. I don't know why. Like if you haven't, like literally. I've enough said for there, but again, this and Dylan, uh, freaking thank you. I I could talk about the first six issues forever, but uh, it's it's just again a huge appreciation just for giving me uh, give like letting me borrow the trades and telling me to get these oversized hardcovers uh, for astonishing yeah. and getting it on my shelf. So thank you for that. Best investment you could possibly make. Those are really awesome hardcovers. I should have bought them when I had the chance, but I went with the trades instead. And I, it happens, and I yeah, I just in oversized hardcover, I could just could not 
Um, I just couldn't pass up to not buy the format, you know, whenever that comes out. Our, and it was like $30, like $30 for these two big bad boys. It's a, it's a deal I couldn't bear to pass up. So thank you for convincing me to do it. Because I was having questions myself, like, was it going to be worth it? Was I going to be using that $30 in vain? And no, it was it was used well. And for that, I am very appreciative of again. But that is it, guys. We want to, again, wish you literally safety and all the happy vibes wherever you are. We hope you're doing well. And please tune in to the Dom of X the next time so we can continue pumping out more amazing and astonishing episodes. At your behalf, we will see you on the next installment of the Dom of X.